now. So, what is it? So, what is it? So, what is it? The Red Dwarf Podcast! Welcome to So What Is It, a Red Dwarf podcast. Now, just to let you all know, we've had a little break for Christmas. We've been placed into super duper tiers here in Somerset. So all four of us are apart this week. But hey, hopefully still merry after plenty of tipples and goodies we've had at Christmas. Nice to see you all, guys. How is everyone? Just give us a shout out. Hello. 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 See, see, they're all here happy. And we're here to discuss episode two of series three, Marooned. Marooned. Oh, yes. I, I think we should start with a cat. Or maybe Crichton. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I enjoyed this episode. It was almost entirely a two-hander, and those two were barely in it. So we can talk briefly about them. Should we get them out of the way? <laughs> they were in it. There we go. On to the next bit. Their names were in the credits. <laughs> they were. Pink earmuffs, tick. Robert Llewellyn, still definitely trying to work out what voice Crichton has. That's tick. the biggest note I've got about him. Is yeah. yeah. Oh, what mm-hmm. does he sound like? We rendezvoused with Holly, and then when you didn't show up after two days, I said we should go and look for you. He had three yes. lines, and they were all different. There was one no. where there was like no accident at all. I was kind of thinking, what? Now, I don't know if this was recorded first or whatever, mate, but yeah, it was definitely felt a little bit odd, didn't it, really? Um, I say I say, Crichton and the cat, I mean, Holly as well, although she had maybe a little bit more than last week. No, yeah. she probably didn't, actually. Wasn't, no. She had, a, she had a spotlight moment, but that was it, a moment, wasn't it? Yeah, at the very beginning, but didn't do a great deal for the rest of the program. As Dan said, it was it was mainly a two-hander. I mean, Crichton basically needn't bother to, needn't have bothered being it at all, to be perfectly honest, for the impact that he had. I, know, I mean, series grumbling you didn't see Crichton, and now he's in it, and they make. I, was, sure. I was literally about to say that. <laughs> Uh, it's just, it's strange, isn't it? I mean, I think the start of this series is quite strange, and I wonder if it's set up that way to ease us in to the changes because Crichton is sort of new, Holly is different, and we've started off with Backwards, which was, as we said before, a mm. slightly different episode, and then we hit this one, which whilst I'll put my cards on the table, whilst I think this is a superb episode, it's really not a usual episode, is it, really, in terms of serving all the characters? I mean, I, I, I'm going to uh, agree with you and say this was an absolutely brilliant episode, but it wasn't usual. Um, before we move on, I'm sure we'll spend most of it talking about those two marooned. I have to say, uh, Holly's opening was brilliant. Yes. And it was the introduction to Holly that we missed last week or last episode yeah. because she just sort of had a couple of lines that weren't particularly... There was nothing really about them in in the last episode, but it was a belter of an opening. And, you know, if she had nothing else to say, turns out she didn't, that was really good. That was a really good intro. And that was, yeah, that was, it was, it was still Holly. The computer is the same, but it was, it was Hattie's version of Holly, not Norman Lovett's version of Holly. And I, I, I really did enjoy that. A wooga, a wooga, a bag of shit. 
how did you feel, Matty, um, with this Holly opening? Because I think there's quite a, potentially a big adjustment to make, losing the old Holly. I think it's, it's quite a tough move. It, it very much is. It is a very different move. And it is, again, again. I, I don't know the actress's name, but I'm sure a lot of you do. But I think... Ashley Hayridge. That, that's the one. She's. I think she's doing a, a, an incredible job, to be fair, because actually, if you think about it, Holly, I think, must have been such a liked character, and I think probably to take over that role probably, you know, would have been quite a, a pressurised thing. And I, I think she's done an incredible job. You know, I really did laugh. You know, the scene with the whole, a black hole is black, space is black. Like, the timing and everything was so well done that I didn't think, oh, it would have been funny if the other one did it. I think she just did a really good job. And, like, for that reason, I think I really, I, I like that Holly. I have no problem with it now. Cool. That's nice. Nice to know you you've taken to her. Um, I, I, funny enough, I, even after all these years, the sort of these early episodes, watching them in order, I feel the loss a little bit. I think, but um, we've really not seen enough of her yet. Still, Matt. Well, I to be honest. I I remember I remember her more than I do him because I think I came into it when Hattie Hayridge was playing Holly. I do remember seeing Norman Lovett do it, do it a couple of times. So that's why I think I must have seen the odd episode of series one and two, one or two. I like them both. I think they both have different merits. That's all I can really say about it. Yeah, we still need more from her, really, don't we? Yeah. yeah there wasn't all of the same, you, you get no good lines and then and five of them come along at once. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on uh, from Holly Crichton and the cat. That's basically done. I mean, <laughs> I mean, cat had a standard... I'm taking this many suits to any more mirrors line. His hair's different. He's got, he's, he's got like a real... <laughs> he's got a new quiff. He has. <laughs> a new quiff and a very rich, little Richard sort of suit on. Um, and I thought, oh, yeah, you've had a bit of a makeover. And then I know you'd said about them last last time about Rimmer's new outfit, the sort of olivey green kind of thing, which is pretty horrible. But Rimmer, uh, excuse me, Lister has had a complete makeover as well with this leather jacket and more looks like more dreadlocks to me yes did we not touch upon this last episode it has been a couple of weeks since we've spoken now well um, it is and i'm and, trying to think whether we touched upon it or not that's very like a lot more time looking just at those two didn't we so it's probably fair i think we were all quite mesmerized by the uh by the shimmering new rimmer uniform it may have eclipsed quite literally any changes to lister so we did get to see it more this time rimmer's new uniform is now covered by a, a similar colored parker type jacket and yes we see lister's um leather jacket but then he has a silver sort of coat on as well to keep warm so we don't actually um see his proper outfit all that much really I, I like the look though. I like the look they're sort of going for because, again, you can tell. Again, they've it's really had such a big change now. I still haven't fully got used to the change from the first, uh, you know, the the, the first couple of series to now. Um, and it is every episode I'm noticing like another little thing they've changed, another little thing they've done. Yeah, yeah I'm still kind of adapting to that. I've got something I want to come back to about the filming and directing and stuff, but I think we should hit that later. Let's do our usual going round to find something that we particularly enjoyed from this episode. I think there's many highlights. We could all hit the same thing here. We could get different things. If we choose the same thing, I've got other things I can choose from anyway. <laughs> so I'm going to go to Matt first, and he's going to get Thank you. Um, it's when they had not long crashed. Lister's looking through. He's looking at his toy soldiers while he's eating. Rim says... Don't get mid- Nick Vindaloo on him. Then Lister says it'll look more authentic. People think he's got dysentery. That was a good <laughs> that one. That was funny. 
I thought that the, the the bit where Rimmer and later on in the episode, Rimmer and Lister are exchanging stories um, about the loss of virginity. And apart from the fact there's a continuity question about how many times has um, Rimmer lost his virginity, because this was... Well, we can talk about that now, if you like. My favourite bit, and I'm happy to come back to, uh, to Rimmer, but the penny dropping... And the the thing about Lister losing his virginity uh, on a golf course at the age of 12... You can't have been a full member of the golf club then. And I just uh. thought, and it, for me there were lots of examples in this episode, I just thought Chris Barry was excellent in this episode. Spot on, yeah. I thought yeah. he paced and played and landed that joke because it went on, carried me with it. I absolutely loved that. That uh, was my standout bit. I mean, it reminds me, I mean, funnily enough, I went over our Crichton episode today from a series ago. That's got the bit with the dog milk joke in. Mm. Um, and, and I was saying then, uh, I particularly enjoyed that because it's just a great sequence of jokes rather than any one specific joke. And it's similar to that, isn't it, really? Yeah. Is that like, I, hate, I hate people who abuse the facilities, you know, and all the stuff and green fees and the divot, <laughs> Lister's bum divot, and the, yeah, buttock divot or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just a great sequence of jokes that, that, that just kept going and working. So, yeah, yeah excellent choice. But you do bring up the continuity thing, the chucking out of who cares what we said before, let's make this funny joke. It wasn't the only continuity error uh, that I felt or continuity issue, and others others may have picked up on it. They crashed Starbug 1. Starbug 1 was lost in a lake in backwards. Oh, um, yeah. And there it was again. So it... They could have towed it back. They could have towed it back. Uh, they might have done, but I'm pretty sure they just left. But anyway. Well, no, the end of the episode was was Cat going up the stairs saying, don't ask, wasn't it? So we didn't see what happened. <laughs> okay, okay. It, it. it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't. <laughs> Frankly, it, it's less important than the fact that Rimmer now has two very separate loss of virginity stories. Yeah, he's only, lost it. He's only spent 12 minutes doing it, but he's done it twice, at least. Did he have a second pizza? Yeah, I don't know if that bothers me or not. That, that I mean, we've said lots of times that let's do this for a joke, but it, it wasn't so long ago they were talking about that, and oh, it's a great, it's a great scene, isn't it? With the talking about the virginity and stuff, and yeah, mm-hmm. so obviously go for the joke, but it is it it's jarring when we've just recently watched the last one, I think, isn't it? Uh, Matty, how many times have you lost your virginity? <laughs> Depends if I'm on Tinder or not. <laughs> <laughs> What was your, one of your favourite moments from the episode? Uh, probably my favourite. It's actually one of those things, I think it was just a perfectly done bit of comedy that made me howl, which was the end of the episode when Lister goes in to pick up the guitar and walks out and Rimmer just stands there, just looking <laughs> at the door. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, was, that was so well done. That was so perfectly timed. The fact that Lister didn't say anything just walked straight in took the guitar and then walked off I mean, that, that's a big isn't it because that's the whole thing is built up to this yeah the guitar and the trunk and it, it runs through the whole episode and yeah it builds up beautifully to that moment so yeah nice one nice I one. agree with you uh, i think i think uh you know craig charles did brilliantly in that episode um, and were it not for the fact that I shall probably be crapping on about how brilliantly I thought Chris Barry was in this episode and eclipsed it, that for me was just so brilliantly done. I've, I've got that down as something to mention. So no, I'm, I'm pleased others are appreciating it as well because I just thought he, he was really good. Yeah. And I think this is um, Craig Charles' best performance so far. Yeah. 
Yeah, mm. I, I would agree. I would agree, even to the point of, and now you're all going to faint, that when he sang She's Out of My Life, <laughs> I didn't I haven't, had my, po- I haven't had my go yet. <laughs> no. I, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say this. I wasn't appalled. I actually really felt his kind of pain. She's out of my life. <laughs> I don't know whether to laugh or cry. Not just because of it was it was sung badly because it wasn't sung greatly, but it was the emotion came across, and I actually thought to him, "Oh, bless him," you know, and not and I wasn't so sort of struck by the bad singing. Yes. I know, but, it's, but even that's even that's superb, isn't it? Just at the end of that, you feel sorry for him, and then he does that thing of cutting yeah. him as <laughs> drunk, and it's just yeah. I mean, I don't know who side you're on, but it's sort of like. It's a horrible thing to do. Which well, strange, isn't it? Because it's one of those moments where I felt, I felt sorry. I really felt sorry for Rema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I genuinely totally. did. Especially when he comes to I didn't think you'd do it. You know, you're one heck of a regular guy. <laughs> exactly. There was the slight, a slight obvious joke with the when he smells camphor wood, and it's like, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. And he said. Oh, your guitar was made of camphor wood. But I mean, yeah, it didn't stop it any, make it any less effective. What was your favourite bit then, Matt? For our first round, although I've managed to talk about six different things in your, your stuff, um, it's the Ascension Sunday. Ascension Sunday. Fifteenth <laughs> <laughs> Wednesday after Pentecost. Fifteenth Wednesday after Pentecost. That was good. That was I also, great. I, I also that. think that was Rebecca's favourite moment as well. So that's a good one to choose. But yeah, that that's a lovely little moment. Just a. Uh, Rimmer being daft like that, it just just works, doesn't it? Really, <laughs> for me, it doesn't. Work. <laughs> now, there were lots and lots of. of uh, I just think the whole it was. A, I think it was played really, really well. Timing, the interplay, the banter between the two of them. It was the best we've seen. Yeah, mm. I mean, for me, it's it's like taking all the good two-hander scenes we've had so far and stitching it all together into one longer episode, and it's just just right. Yeah, everything for me it just works. Now we had a chat about it afterwards, and and uh, Becky said, "Oh, there are no zingers in there," and then I I promptly told her the seventeen zingers that I liked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, it was enjoyable all the way through. For me, it was definitely enjoyable all the way through. It's just a very very strong episode. Now before I go any further, let, let's just see if there's anything that um, we can still always say the Senate maybe they didn't work. Anything you guys think didn't work apart from Crichton's voice because I have <laughs> I don't think there was anything in there that I didn't like I thought that because the standards were so high there were probably one or two bits that were um that, that weren't up to its own standard I think you mentioned the bond the tube of bongella ointment so it's that minty flavor it's quite nice I thought the delivery there was very much put me in mind of black adder because it was mm-hmm. I'm going to say this in a, in a in a particular way that's going to make it more absurd it was fine, but it, yeah, it was quite blackadderish for me. But that's hardly a complaint. Was this the um, talk about the food stuff? Was this um, the first pot noodle joke we've had in Red Dwarf? I mean, it's one of these things I get confused about what we've talked about, what we've seen, what I know is coming up. I don't think he's mentioned pot noodles before. I've definitely seen him eat one. I've definitely seen yeah, him mm-hmm. eating something that looked like a pot noodle before. It's also the thing of thinking a joke's obvious because i have seen this episode 98 times or something yeah, yeah i mean my my one it, again it's not a major thing it's just picking up something which is what i don't like in comedy or when people do it in jokes in real life really is you got 
one of the best moments of the episode is eating the dog food. Right, it's but... a it's a brilliant moment. And the follow-up joke. It's a, it's a brilliant the, moment. The, the, yeah. the following joke is hilarious. Yeah, the, fo- the like... follow-up joke is hilarious. Well, now I can see why dogs lick the testicles. Brilliant, brilliant follow-up. But then it doesn't need the next follow-up. It's to take away the taste of the food. To me, you don't need it. Everyone is there. The laugh is there in the first line. Mm. And I don't think you need the, and this is what I mean, punchline. It's like, um, I used to get annoyed, I mean, this is a random example, but if you used to make a self-deprecating joke about the size of your penis or something, right? And then someone would step in, because it's too small. Is it right? Well, yes, that was the joke I was making to make everyone go ha, ha, ha. And you had to follow up with the, that's what it meant. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's my, that's my analysing comedy section of the week. And for when you come into your section of the week, it's time for my interesting fact of the week about that scene. Yay, yeah. that is fat corner. <laughs> are you gonna are you gonna say it was tuna fish and not dog food? Um I was actually gonna say, yes, it was tuna fish, but it was also um jellied meat stock. And nice. Craig Charles said himself in an interview that it tasted so disgusting he wanted to vomit multiple times and would have rather have ate the dog food. So I got another little interesting bit about this one. Did you know that this episode was also planned to be a solo stage play in London? No, I didn't know that. But, I mean, that is what it's like when we were talking about it afterwards. It, it, it does remind you of a good stage play, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Yeah, that makes absolute sense, doesn't it? But, yeah, it does. But, 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 but yes, it's still the same premise of what's been going on since the beginning, isn't it? Two guys trapped together. Mm. And this is where they are really trapped in that situation. So, yeah, I mean, it does feel like a stage play, but... Um, interestingly, one of my pluses from this was the show has moved away from the Lister sitting there and Rimmer standing behind him and looking like a stage play as much. I felt it was filmed a lot better. I think there's a lot of handheld cameras and it wasn't done perfectly, but it felt a little bit more natural. I'm not going to say natural because it wasn't quite. Um, but it, it felt a bit more coherent in that sense rather than what I had slight issues with the first couple of series of uh, here's the set point the camera at it but it but it did look uh it, there were lots of lots more different angles it wasn't just shot from the from the fourth wall it was it was more naturalistic there was more flow to it and part of that was the way that they played it but absolutely the the the, the camera work really added to that mm, it definitely went i mean Becky, even becky commented other oh, like in their close-ups this week so they did a lot more mm-hmm. more close shots like that to to get reactions i mean the dog food bit is a great example of the the way the camera was on lister's face the, the dog food bit was a great moment i just felt it didn't need that little bit at the end is where we got to i mean i'm not enjoying this there was something that dated it it was the joke when they were talking about the virgin uh, again about the virginity and lister said everyone knows where they were when uh, cliff richard was shot which i thought was quite amusing when women landed on pluto or the big toupee used to cover the hole in the ozone layer and i thought oh right yeah because it would have been the time when we were all concerned about the ozone layer and everything was like cfc free or ozone friendly was stamped on everything do you remember yeah yeah mm-hmm. totally yeah, that really dated it for me. Um, but it was again. It's, that's not a that's not a bad thing. It's not a. The other uh, thing was a, a Cindy doll. Yes, Cindy doll. Yeah, yeah. She's like a British Barbie. I, I know who the, I know who Cindy doll is. Yeah. The joke about that uh, Rimmer made about this is ass looking like two badly parked Volkswagens <laughs> was funny. I love that. I think those are 
those sorts of jokes are coming in a bit more as well. There's another one earlier on. I can't remember what it was now, but there's a couple of those um, simile type jokes, which they, I'm sure they've done before, but they uh, excel at in the series. They're coming in more and more, I think. Yeah, it's like, you know, head shaped like a novelty condom, goalpost head, things like that, isn't it? Yes. I have a question for Matty. Go for it. Right. Now, with no help from Dan or Mr. Maisie, when uh, Rimmer is, quote, is quoting Shakespeare and can't remember how the quote goes from uh, Richard III, when he kept saying, now, this is, that's all I can remember, now, do you know what the now is followed by? Absolutely no idea. Go on. Oh. But, uh, the, the, yeah, these guys are going to know. I wouldn't have the slightest... <laughs> Why wouldn't Matty know? He might know. It's unforgettable. Now something, something, something. You know. Shakespeare wasn't a contemporary of ours. I mean, Matty stands much <laughs> chance of knowing that the script is. He's been to school, I think. Do you know it? Now is the winter of our discontent. It's because it's a speech you've learned, isn't it? You know uh, that yes. speech, don't you? <laughs> May glorious glory simmer by the sons of yours. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> something, something, I like something. the way that, that Rimmer, you know, goes over and gives it the hunch. You know, he, he, he clearly remembers some of it, although turns out just the one word. He remembers the play. He remembers the fact that Richard III has got a hunch. I just there were there were lots of nice details, but I, that bit about burning the books—it was oh no, it's this is this is these are the only examples of this is high art. It's like Biggles learns to fly, and then I'm going to burn Lolita. Save page sixty-three. That bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it it went from I'm, I'm appealing to I'm appealing to you. Let's preserve this culture. To yeah, but we are still two lads, aren't we? So. It still made a good point. It still, it was still. It I mean, even that, but even that's dated, isn't it? Because it's that sort of funny thing we talked about before with CDs and whatever in the show. That of course we still have books, but the idea of not having digital versions of them necessarily is is quite interesting. Although, of course, Holly has read all the books. Yeah, I I liked. There was the bit where um, Lister is saying, "Oh, everything reminds me of food." And he's going through, you know, the, the works of, of, of Francis Bacon. And it's like, yeah, OK, I get that. Uh, Harold Harold Pinter, he describes it. <laughs> and then Van Lustbader. And he's like, what? And he goes, van, food van, kebab van or whatever it was. It's like, for, I, I love that joke. To me, that was like, I'm writing a panto script and I'm just going to keep punning on this. And eventually... Especially, especially meat ones, Dan. Uh, it, <laughs> yes, stay tuned. Um, especially, you know... Van was the was was the was the point at which you say, I've done enough now. <laughs> but I liked it. No, that's great. The van was it was great. You know, it's a very good topic. Um, but but go, staying on the Shakespeare thing. I mean, I I think uh, Chris Barry looked like he was going to corpse at that point. Did you notice when he said, um, "I've seen West Side Story"? <laughs> yes. He's, yeah, he nearly cracked. Definitely spotted that. <laughs> yes, I saw that. But it's a good it's a good joke though. <laughs> I didn't go back and watch that scene. West End yeah. story. He's See that like laugh, smile definitely. starting to come out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't blame him. It's a good joke. It was. Rimmer is really lovely to um, Lister when he's he thinks that he's um, burnt the guitar. He's really he's really impressed with him, and uh, it's just you know you kind of think you you really feel for kind of Rimmer because he's. I've been quite quite honest with the fact that. He does get on my nerves, and I've always felt like I'm very much on Lister's side rather than Rimmer. But um, actually, to be perfectly honest, Lister's a bit of a git for doing oh, he's that. Despicable, isn't he, really? really, he is despicable here. Um, although, yeah. although he's sort of right in so many ways. I mean, 
I mean, you've touched upon the couple of things in one there because, I mean, there's a line that Rimmer says because I'm not enjoying this. And Lister goes, yeah, I know, man. And it actually feels like they mean it. Mm-hmm. It calls him a second. Mate. And Rimmer also calls him Dave after that point. When yeah. they've had their moment, he calls him Dave. And you're right, there was no... I mean, yes, in the end, because, you know, Rimmer has no corporeal form, he's the one who does the dastardly. But ultimately... The, the guitar, a genuine Les Paul copy, by the way, um, <laughs> are both equally valuable to the to the two of them. Now, clearly, Lister isn't the one in position to do, but they were, if there were three of them on there and Lister had gone outside, do you not think that Rimmer would have got Crichton to burn the guitar? Because yeah, I yeah. do. I totally I, I, that doesn't devalue the, the, the extent to which I do sympathise with, with Rimmer. And, and in Lister's defence, you know, somewhat clear mitigation after the fact. He does feel pretty ropey afterwards when he realises just how much. It's, because prior to that, Rimmer's been talking about how valuable these soldiers are and he saved 24,000, you know, dollar pounds. And, uh, and so he's talking about this this chest being priceless. It's only after, actually, we know that a guitar-shaped chunk of it's been set fire to that he talks about the emotional value that it has. And mm. then Lister has the decency, at least, to feel pretty crap. A link to the father I never managed to square things with. Is it? That trunk is the only thing he ever gave me, apart from, apart from his disappointment. Yeah, I mean, so so we've got we've got that. I mean, that that emotion between them, and and as, as I said earlier, it's it's difficult. It is difficult to know whose side to be on, if if anybody's, because yeah, generally we are on Lister's side, aren't we? But he, but it is it is a tough thing. He does to Rimmer there behind his back. It's not like they've mm. argued it out and, and he says, that tough, we're in this situation, we're going to have to burn the trunk. You know, and he, and he is extremely selfish, but, but it's mine. And we, the, 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 one of the themes of the week is possessions and what they're worth, etc. Nicely painted firewood and all that. But he is then extremely selfish, but it's my possession, isn't it? It's, it's mine that makes a massive difference. So um, mm. the worth of possessions is, is something interesting that was talked about here. Yeah. Well, to be perfectly honest, actually, Rimmer could technically be angry with Holly rather than with um, Dave Lister. For Holly's kind of at the very end with her... Grit. <laughs> Five specks of grit on the scanoscope. Indeed. <laughs> I, I, I'd love the, the dead pad delivery of it, though. She got that yes. down to a T. You know, they're very good. But, yeah. I mean, it was just like, oh, my God... If I'm being overly, if I'm being critical, it was the repetition of the joke. Um, but at the same time, it was one of those, okay, we need to wrap this up. I was going to say, it's, it's more about the wrapping up of the, yeah. the joke yeah. in the situation. It, it, wasn't, than... it wasn't bad. We didn't get much from, from Hattie's Holly, but by comparison to the last episode, I think we got good. Mm. We, got, we, we got her doing this really well. As, as Matt said, she, she really nailed the delivery. And for, I think I said it before, it's familiar to Norman Lovett's Holly, but very much her own, and I, I really enjoyed it for that. Matthew, you've been quiet for a while. Is there anything you want to bring to this section of this discussion? No, not really, because I'm just agreeing with everything you're saying here. I don't really know what else I can say about this one, but I, I, I completely agree. I will say the earlier point as well really made me laugh as well was when she just went, Grit. <laughs> love that. Absolutely love that. But yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah. She's, got, she's got the timing. She's definitely got the timing. Yeah, well, but, she's, um, she's very good at being... Well, I'm sort of saying the original Holly, but we know what I mean. 
she's very good at almost completely encapsulating that character but being her own at the same time is really good but but going going back to or continuing with the some of the themes and the emotion stuff in it i mean you know we've talked a lot about rimmer's tragic childhood in the past and there was a killer line in this really i mean the trunk was the only thing my father gave me apart from disappointment or something i I don't know if i got the quote exactly right there but we've not touched on the absolutely bonkers story that rimmer was said about when he was (laughs) regressed by his friend donald the hypnotherapist when he believes that his home was the palace in macedonia believe it or not he told me that in a previous incarnation I was Alexander the Great's chief <laughs> eunuch. The line that followed from Lister was was brilliant. No wonder you're such a great singer. Uh, that was <laughs> that that was brilliant. I loved that. I really laughed at that. Uh, but then Rimmer with his, I still can't look at a pair of nutcrackers without wincing. <laughs> was great as well. And <laughs> it was used, used a great effect to wrap up the whole episode as well. And this is, I think, where they've become even stronger scriptwriters, um, or it's working better, whatever. Is those sorts of things again? I remember complaining a couple of times about a couple of lines to end scenes sometimes scenes have ended a little bit weekly i don't think that's happening now i think they usually end it on a good note and the whole episode ended on a good we're going to do to lister what alexander the great once did to me <laughs> satisfying i was just going to say I, I thought it was it was uh interesting uh and perhaps adds to the uh to, to rimmer's sort of backstory that even in a former life his proximity to alexander the great yeah, was not. He's some great, you know, war hero. What he's taken from this is, oh, this is my. No, he was, as you, as you said, he was he was chief eunuch. So, rimmers throughout history have been potentially history adjacent, you know, but but ultimately, absolutely not. You know, the patterns, the Caesars, you know, the other gits, as Lister calls them. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to say because obviously, uh, you know, he he sort of convinces himself it's true, even though he doesn't believe it, and and turns it into being something good. That's the sort of sad thing about it, isn't it? <laughs> well, I suppose you, you 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 make the best of it if 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 that's what you if that's what you find out. You you yeah you you make the best of it. But there were there were some other really nice of uh, so we I mean obviously we we mentioned the uh, the shoes being thrown in the uh, in in the septic tank. <sighs> Porky Roebuck comes up again, which I... Uh, so which they I bother agree. with the continuity there. <laughs> well, he's, he was he was their best mate. I mean, his dad was knocking off his mum. I mean, they were that close. Of course, of course he's going gonna to come up in all his formative, formative stories. The bit, again, when they're talking about Lister's telling Rimmer that for all his idolisation of these, of these great military heroes, he's a massive coward. And then, of course, we've seen Rimmer acquit himself brilliantly uh, by hiding in a bar fight in the episode backwards and yet we get this other story about how they were in a bar fight and i have to say i did really really enjoy the insult that rimmer described it's so good, it. it's so good. Mm. sexually tilted towards sleeping with the dead and i just thought <laughs> I, I can see how he started a fight but he didn't start uh, the rumor he merely voiced it to <laughs> <laughs> <Do> his face <laughs> I have a small confession, nothing too um, drastic. Hang on, hang on. Is it after after Dan's question. just talking about sleeping with the dead, you come up with a confession. Oh, God, that's not very good timing, <laughs> is it, really? Oh, dear. Dear, dear, mate. No, certainly nothing to do with that. <gasps> I did not know that Mayday was, that's where it came from. Honestly, I didn't, that it didn't come from the French for help me. Ascension Sunday, Ascension Sunday. <laughs> As we're discussing, I'm I'm getting through everything I've um, jotted down. I mean, I can't be expected to 
recall everything in the episode. I mean, who do you think I am, the memory man? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm ticking off my notes um, quite rapidly uh, here as we discuss. Has, has anyone else got anything they want to just bring up? Because um, I don't know if we've uh, got too much more to uh, cover now. We th- I think we have done one of those episodes where we just basically recited every single line. Yeah, yeah pretty regurgitated much. it. Just out of order. <laughs> yeah, basically. It's what we do That's best. Broadcast. Yeah, Matty, you got anything else you wanted to to reminisce about? No, not really. No, I, I enjoy I enjoyed the episode. I'm looking forward to the next one now. I'm back back into it. Now, I, I mean, I I sort of said it's great, Craig Charles, great performance, and everything. Ha, ha, uh, this is the first time you've watched this one, right? Yes, oh, yeah, Matty. Yeah, yeah, first but time I watched it as well. Yeah. How, how how did you rate it? I enjoy, I definitely enjoyed it. I think it was obviously a lot more. It was very. It, well, all the episodes are very different. I was going to say it was very different to the last one, but all the episodes are very different. Um, it, like I said, it was a lot calmer, a lot simpler of a story. This one, but just done very well. But yeah, I thought it compared very well. I really enjoyed it. If there were four more episodes like that, I would have no problem. If there were four more episodes like the last one, um, I wouldn't be have a problem with that either. And so I, I, I yeah, it was, it was good. So I think long term, this would probably be my top 10 episodes maybe even top five i don't know but we'll see how we go you know as we watch the others i mean going through it like this does tend to change things a little bit perhaps dan how do you feel about it as a as a long-term viewer for me this is one of the episodes season three was was you've talked and we've had a long conversation about um about videoing off telly in different formats for that but the point is this was the, this was the first series I probably started to record and to re-watch. Like you, I've seen this episode a lot of times. But for me, this is one of those episodes that is my warm and fuzzy Red Dwarf place from my youth. I love this episode. It's going to be very tough to beat. It's not competition, but it is a very, very, very good episode. And um, I, yeah, I, I just thought on re-watching it, I appreciated it all again. Um, mm. And perhaps saw had a moment to, to to look at it and appreciate it in another way rather than just laughing at the jokes which i was doing but also to appreciate that it's as good as it is because of the performances because of the of the tightness of the script and the way it's delivered and that camera work and and, and the extra depth um that, that we saw to the to the backgrounds and the, and the and the sets yeah i i've got i could i could talk for longer about other little bits that I noticed, but no, it's just a, just a great episode. But it still makes me laugh, and that's it. And oh, yeah. watching it yesterday for the umpteenth time, still makes me laugh. And then I went through it again today to to get some of the sound bites and stuff, and I'm giggling away at some of them. You know, pulling pulling stuff out. I mean, some of my faithful listeners have fed back to me saying, "Oh, we enjoy the lines a bit more when we hear them on the podcast." And when you sort of isolate something, hi, mum. Um, and when you uh, isolate something and listen to it and just listen to that line, you know, just makes you laugh and giggle again in a different way. Matt, you said you came to it um, slightly fresh. So so how how would you see it in the pantheon so far? Well, to be, to be honest, it, again, like Matty has said, all the episodes are very different. It's, it's great because it's not formulaic. I mean, I know we talked about that um, in one of the previous episodes where it's not they're not you know here comes the catchphrase you know it's it's not like that but they managed to in this episode show enormous amount of character depth and pathos with each other lister and rimmer and i as you said as somebody said earlier on i'm not sure who it was that i think this is they feel this is craig charles's best performance so far and i would totally echo that i thought they they did a really really good job 
and even Rimmer, I, I just thought, you know, when he was calling him Dave and and stuff like that, it was it was it was really touching, and it was complete. It was completely different. Obviously, then there was the uh, the kind of like I don't want to say reveal at the end when it was um, in comes Cat and Crichton, and oh, it was actually grit on the you know. So it was like oh god, but. Uh, in terms of Lister and uh, Rimmer's character development, it was huge. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it was great. It was good stuff. It's good. Stuff. I, I personally think it was Robert Llewellyn's second best performance so far. But <laughs> <laughs> by we'll some margin, <laughs> by some <laughs> margin, Look, we'll see if, what happens. By the next forward. episode, he can have worked out what Crichton sounds like. I think you know <laughs> he's got a lot of potential. These two were desperate for him to come back, and now he's come back. We can't. He doesn't work out what he looks like, and he hasn't worked out what he sounds like. The only way is up. Dan, I will say, I will say this though. I've seen other TV programs where characters, the actor is not necessarily doing an accent that's comfortable with them. You know, and as I said, we don't, we don't know what order they were filmed in. I'm sure we could find out, but um... yeah, I, I know, I know that's true. I just, you know, I guess that's what I had in my. In my amateur naivety, thought rehearsals were for, but you know, yeah. Right, I'm not going to criticise the guys made a life on TV. Guys made a career on TV, and I haven't. So, thanks for listening to this free podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. I think I probably, unless Dan, you did want to mention one little thing, and she said, "Yeah, oh, I've got one thing." He hadn't burnt his pencil. That's wood. <laughs> Where well, did that come from? For another day. No, unless you wanted to mention anything else. Dan, did... you said you had a, a list. <laughs> oh, I do. But all I will say to our loyal listeners, um, hi, Matt's mum, go and watch the episode. There's still stuff in there to reward you. <laughs> we haven't covered it all. Matt, Matt. Uh, oh, actually, yes. Oh, no, hang on a second. I'm, oh, we were I'm, so close. I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I thought I'd had well, it. Um, so well. <laughs> I was just having a look at um, Wikipedia, and yes, Marooned was made first. Marooned yeah. was the first episode made in series three. Um, yes, I did make a um, a slight kind of error with um, something that I was I'd noted down. <laughs> um, when uh, Lisa says to Rima, "You're tighter than an Italian waiter's kex." I was like, what's he mean? <laughs> I f- and yeah, and it took me a little while for the penny to drop. I kind of thought Italians aren't known for for being, you know, you know, not being generous or being mean. It, that wasn't the kind of type that he actually meant. So, yeah, I kind of was like, oh. I think it's been a kind of a slow penny drop time at the moment. It's a very stressful time at the moment. So that's what it I'm is, putting it down it to. We should have a confession corner as well. So we've got Matt's facts of the week, and we should have these are the jokes that I didn't get until a bit later on. And we should all just, you know, line those up as well. It would just be like lots of me saying, you know, saying complete nonsense and then kind of talking myself into it. That's what happens. I was only coming for you by saying we should all do it. Yeah, obviously. No, I appreciate that, Dan. We mean you. (laughs) (laughs) I say that with, with love. I was so excited that nearly dropped my skateboard. So anyway, as we've said three times already, we've covered everything now. So it's time to say goodbye and be rescued from our situation here. So I'll say cheerio from me. Goodbye from me. <laughs> goodbye from me. And goodbye from me.
Aguas. Ese Aguas. As I said, there was a couple of there was a couple of obvious jokes. Uh, I'm not going to say anything controversial. The uh, the joke with um, Rimmer's shoes in the septic tank, he was still wearing them. <laughs> Again, I like I liked it. Slightly obvious, but I but I still liked it. Okay, um, the main thing that I didn't like is for a very bizarre reason. And no, it's, what? it's not going to make a great deal of sense. It's nothing to do with anyone's performance. Um, I had a real kind of a major traumatic childhood flashback um, in, in this episode to the point I had to stop and kind of just think, okay, release, and Is then when and you, start uh, watching again. You used to eat pot noodles too much? No, no, it's nothing to do with Bonchella either. Um, um, it's, quite nice. It was... Um, when Lim, when they're talking about the um, losing the virginity scene and, and uh, Lister's with Michelle uh, Fisher on Bootle Golf Course, uh, Michelle was gorgeous and she was... Um, a per- she worked on the perfume counter at Lewis's. Now, Lewis's used to be is a big department, was a big department store. And there was one in Manchester and there was one in Birmingham. And um, I got lost in Lewis's department store when I was about five or six. And it just so happened I got I got I got trapped in the sort of in a stairwell. Now Lewis's was about a five or six story department store. It was massive. And I don't know, I must have been like I must have been doing a matty and gone, oh shiny and got distracted. <laughs> and then there was there was nobody around. Um, and it also coincided with the fact that I had managed to watch or be there when it was on, because I think I would have been allowed to have watched it. The Towering Inferno had been on hang TV. On. Are we still talking about Red Dwarf here? No, no hang on. Just, <laughs> just bear, bear with me. Just bear with me a second. The Towering Inferno had been on the, on the TV, and there's, there's, there's quite a scene in a stairwell with a fire and people, and I was basically found on sat on a, on, you know, sort of rocking backwards and forwards and frothing in Lewis's stairwell. Several kind of like, I don't, it was probably only in about half an hour that I was I was missing. But yeah, whenever I hear Lewis, this is kind of cold, kind of, I was like, oh, you know, just try. I, 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 it did close down probably about 20, 25 years ago because I think they went bust. And um, I never, if we ever did go shopping in Birmingham again, I would refuse flatly to go into that into that shop so yeah i kind of was like oh okay. and that's um all we, that's all we've got time for here on cooker's mistake <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on come on you know me i could have actually talked about it a lot more than that i thought that was that was that was quite verbose for me right so, so not really so you're com- that, not i was really gonna say a, you're, you're a, complaining a about the episode is they mentioned lewis's yes but as i said it was <laughs> it, i told you it was a bizarre reason and i wasn't wrong <laughs> Thank you. And good night. Solid comedy reason. Anyone else? Well, this episode reminded me of my trip to Debenhams back in 2004. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, such fun. (laughs) 